uh, can you hear me? Am I hearable, Josh? I can only see you for some reason. Okay, great. Lovely. Wonderful. Well, thank you. And um, what a great encouragement in worship this morning. And, uh, and also really, really nice to have Alan Leaders and um, I can't remember his name, but there's another guy there and we, me and Chloe have been there and, and met him. And so it's just great to have different uh, friends over, you know, the different parts of the world come and speak into us. It's a wonder of technology that we can enjoy um, being led by others and being blessed by, by them as a church. Uh, it was really great as well, actually, on Thursday at our prayer meeting, we, we prayed for them as a church and they were, had their prayer, prayer meeting and so they were praying for us as well. So just another example of, um, of unity and the church being together, which is really the theme of uh, this sermon this morning. Last week I spoke about and I really kind of taught into Ephesians 2 verses 11 to 22. And um, so if you weren't here, I'm going to give a brief recap of what that was about, because today I actually want to zoom out and we're really we're really not going to touch the passage at all. We're going to look at other parts of the Bible and see this great theme of humanity and unity and the role of the church today in creating a united uh, but diverse humanity. And that's really the burden of this morning. And so it was just fantastic to hear uh, from Verity and from Jules this, this idea of, you know, we're not, you know, it's so prevalent in our Western culture. If you're not from a Western culture, then I think you've got a great lesson to teach us because we're just so used to being these individual units of people, free agents of thought and idea. And yet the Bible teaches us that we're, we're a body we're a, we're a we're a collective we we come together we in, we help one another we we encourage one another we support one another and uh it's so important that we get that and we understand our collective responsibility for each other and so and we saw that and we saw as well from john's gospel how jesus is the good shepherd um, I was wonderful, tied into kids work as well. He, he leaves the 99 to go after the one. And, uh, and all of this was so encouraging to me because it was the heart of what I felt God speaking to us and uh, wanting to speak to us this morning from, uh, from the scripture. So let me quickly um, put my timer on so I don't get lost uh, and recap for us uh, what we talked about last week. Last week, we looked at the verses 11 to 22, and it's the second half of, of uh, the second chapter of Ephesians. So Ephesians chapter two in the second half. The first half, which I haven't got up, was all about how we are saved by grace, saved. Uh, we, we were dead in our sins. We had no hope in the world and we were we were way away from God. Both, both Jews and Gentiles, Paul is very clear to say you were talking to the Ephesian Gentiles, but so were we. And we were both in this position, in this place of being alienated, separated from God. And yet by grace, we've been brought together. But then Paul in the second half wants to just dig a little deeper into that situation and dig into it for the Gentiles so they could see just how bad their situation was. And he says to them, doesn't he, that they were uh, Christless, uh, stateless, friendless, hopeless and godless. 
that they uh, that they were really separated from the promises of God by by not having been in the family of Israel, by not having been in the community of Jewish believers. They didn't have that heritage and that system of uh, sacrifices and of temple worship and temple ritual. They didn't have a high priest who could go in on their behalf and sacrifice for sin. They didn't have any of that. And so they were alienated, separated. And there was a real physical barrier that separated them from the temple, which was at that time the presence of God where you would go to to be in God's presence. You could go and see the sacrifices. Uh, They couldn't. If you were a Gentile, you weren't allowed in. You were unclean uh, and unworthy. And so there was a real physical barrier. But as well, there was a cultural, spiritual, emotional um, and sort of sociological barrier between the Jewish people and the Gentile nations. The Gentiles were unclean. They were uh, ungodly. They were to be uh, avoided at all costs if you were a practicing Jew. And so this meant that there was hostility, there was there was anger, there was um, jealousy, there was bitterness, there was problems all over the Roman world where there were Jewish communities and Gentile communities. They didn't mix. And if they did, there was tension there. And so Paul is speaking into that situation and he does so throughout the throughout his letters. We see this tension crop up in many places. But what Paul tells us here in the text that we looked at last week is that Jesus has brought both sets of people together through his blood and by his actions, living an obedient life. He's been the sacrifice for Jew and Gentile. He's been the obedience to the law. He didn't put a foot wrong. And so when we are in him, we we have his obedience, his righteousness. And so you can see my picture there. The dividing wall was abolished. It was broken down because the law and its commandments abolished and both Jew and Gentile are reconciled, brought together into one new humanity. The problem, however, doesn't go away overnight. Knowing that you've been brought together, reconciled, having this uh, knowledge and understanding that you've been saved by God that your sins have been scrubbed away, washed clean by Jesus, doesn't just fix all the problems. And we know that in our world today, there is still violence and hostility. So today in our message this morning, I wanna look at perhaps um, a bigger picture because the reality is that we, uh, there's still many, many barriers between people today. I kind of talked last week about membership and it was a bit trivial, really. I talked about, you know, how I support the Wales in rugby and Rob uh, was cheering for England. And so there's a barrier. But but really, that's it's very trivial. In reality, in the world that we live in, there is some uh, horrible situations, many uh, that are unpleasant to talk about. From genocides to forced sterilization to indoctrination of whole people groups, to the systematic um, removal of culture and of language from people groups so as to bring them into a more cultural or more civilised way of thinking. I know uh, that the culture that I'm from in the the UK has a history, a a horrible history and heritage of uh, colonisation, of... Uh, 
repressing whole people groups, dehumanizing people. The reality is that all over the globe, humans are harassing, harming, hatefully oppressing, persecuting, killing each other based on everything from gender, ethnicity, skin color, religion, sexuality, political opinions. Humanity is deeply and violently divided. Even here in Sweden, we don't need to go far to hear stories of intolerance and hatred, indifference and disregard. There are hostilities, anger, feelings of jealousy, bitterness, betrayal and distrust towards people of other ethnicities, skin colours, religions, genders, countries of origin, languages and so on and so forth. This is a very difficult topic to talk into and I'm aware that many of us will have experiences of pain and of, of yeah, of pain in this area. We will have stories that we can share of where this has been our experience. And I should say at this point, I, I have very little of that. And I have, um, I'm aware of my huge privilege in being a white, affluent, middle-class British male. Um, and so I feel very humble to speak on this topic. I feel very um, humbled to, um, to, 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 to talk about it. Um, and I feel inadequate to speak into experiences that I know many of you will have had and that I simply cannot imagine or fathom. And so at this point, it's worth saying that as a church, this is a, this is a conversation that is ongoing. And we, in our humility, need to be able to listen to one another, that we need to be able to just hear the experiences, the situations that our brothers and sisters have faced hear that and and pray with and lovingly uh, think about and reflect on it for ourselves but I think that as the church of, of God as the church as his people here on earth I think that we have uh, the best hope to be a source of peace and of healing and of reconciliation to a broken and divided world I truly believe that the gospel of Jesus is the, is the healing balm that this city, that this nation, that this world absolutely needs. And it's our hope for the future. It's our hope for eternity that one day God will make this right, that out of the ashes of human division, a beautiful and united, diverse and beautifully united humanity will arise. And, um, we'll see that towards the end. So I want to look at um, sort of, I think I'm restructuring this sermon already as I go. We're looking at three things really. Um, and then we're looking at the church and how the church fits into that. Um, so I'll probably weave how the church fits into each three things, but we're looking at, perhaps it's on this next slide. Yes. How God loves humanity, how God loves diversity and how God loves unity. He loves humanity, he loves diversity, and he loves unity. And like I said, we're going to go elsewhere in scripture out of Ephesians, but I believe that this is the situation Paul is talking into, a divided community, and he's, he's setting the, the scene and, and, and bringing the truth of God's love for humanity, diversity, and unity. 
And then we're going to see, hopefully through that, that there is a diverse humanity united in God's love. It's called the church. Uh, the church as God's plan for human reconciliation and unity. So you can get your Bibles and jump with me if you'd like to. We're going to go to Genesis 1, where it all starts, uh, but I'll have it up. And I'm reading from the um, e NIV today. Shock horror. I'm looking at the NIV this morning. It's going to be... Um, thought I needed a change. So God loves humanity and Genesis 1 verses 26 to 28 in the NIV. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female he created them god blessed them and said to them be fruitful and increase in number fill the earth and subdue it or rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground wow there is so much in these verses god created humanity in his own image this is a profound and fundamental truth that we need to take and digest and reflect on and, and allow to permeate, to soak through, to affect every part of our life. God created humanity, all of us, men, women, whatever skin color, whatever ethnicity, whatever background, whatever economic status, whether we're rich or poor, Whatever language, every people group on earth created in God's image. From this, we get the, the term, the theological term in Latin is Amago Dei. All humans are created in God's image. What an amazing and profound revelation. You see, the barriers that we set up in our societies are set there to dehumanize one another, to treat people as lesser, as different. They're not like me. They don't look like me. They don't sound like me. They don't act like me. So they're different. They're other. They're lesser. We're dehumanizing people. But God's word says all humans are created in his image. The Bible tells us every people group, tribe, tongue, skin color, gender, background, cultural heritage, every person created in his image. That means that they are, we are, you are image bearers and you have a dignity and a glory you have an honor and a beauty as an image bearer of god i think this is partly why uh, you know the first and second commandment in, uh, in god's law to moses and to his people is you know i am the lord your god don't have any other idols don't create any other images partly it's it's so that they're not worshiping other gods but partly it's because god already has an image it's you and me we his he wants us to look at one another and see the glory and the beauty and the creation his fingerprints in one another in the rest of humanity i love the line me and chloe have been listening to the les mis soundtrack if you've never watched les miserables i just make it your mission tonight to watch les miserables uh, i don't know if it's on netflix but you gotta get it it's amazing it's the clearest um, portrayal of the gospel outside of the Bible, I think, in the world. Um, amazing. And I was 
crying, listening to it. But the line uh, towards the end where um, Jean Valjean is, is who's lived a life uh, as a response to grace is, uh, is, is being carried away to heaven. And, and um, Fontaine sings to him to love another person is to see the face of God. It's in our relationships with one another. God speaks through and shows himself in humanity. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, you know, there's this, you know, God is in us and we are really it. There is one God in heaven, our father, almighty creator God, and he is different than we are. We are his creations and he is the creator, but he's put his mark on us. He's put his stamp on us and not on believers, on all humans as crucial because what it means is that when we sin against another person we sin against god's image we're, we're reducing the worth of that person but we're also reducing the worth of it we're devaluing we're saying oh it's not you know god's image is lesser than what it should be and that's why as well when i sin against myself no one else might be harmed it's just me but i'm not just harming me I'm defaming, I'm, I'm besmirching, I'm, I'm scribbling over God's image in my actions. That's why it's so profound, this idea. I just wanted to quickly read uh, Psalm 8. I think this is an amazing retelling of the Genesis story. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens through the praise of your ch of children and infants. You've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You've made them rulers over the works of your hands. You've put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We are created in his image to rule and to govern. We've been crowned, humanity has been crowned with glory and honour, the psalmist says. God loves all humanity, all humanity. How dare we look at our brothers and sisters, every other member of the human race, as anything other than glorious, honourable images of God, created to rule and reign with God. God loves humanity. That's why he came and died for them. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever would believe wouldn't perish. You see, as image bearers, we have a destiny to rule and to reign. And the, the reality is that many, many, many image bearers out there don't know it. They don't realize their worth. They don't realize their beauty and their value in God's eyes. And they're living lives of destruction against themselves and others. And they're living lives out of step and out of sync with the creator. They are the lost sheep. And Jesus is, go is here and is sending us. And it's our mission as the church to go to the lost sheep, to bring them and to, in love, tell them the gospel, the good news. You're an image bearer. You're a unique and cherished 
individual loved by God, created in his image. It's a calling for the church to love God and our neighbours, to share the truth of their dignity and God's love for them. Secondly, and perhaps more briefly, God loves diversity. It's clear in creation, isn't it? Diverse creation. We saw it in Genesis that it's over all of creation, the fish in the, the, fish in the sea, the birds in the air, all the creepy things, uh, and diverse world we surely have. In, uh, in my job as a teacher, I'm uh, working with uh, eight and nine-year-olds at the moment who are learning all about animals and ecosystems and food chains. And uh, I've got a bunch of kids that are just obsessed with sharks. And I've discovered that there are more than 10,000 species of sharks. Wait, no, more than a thousand species of sharks. That's definitely less than 10,000, but way more than I thought. And here's just five completely random sharks. Look at these guys. Top left, you've got a goggle wong. Wobble gong, weird name. Look at that guy on the bottom left. That's called a pocket shark. He's got pockets filled with luminous goo that he shoots out to like distract people. And that's the rarest shark in the world. And of course you've got hammerheads, that weird sawtooth shark and a whale shark. They're all so different. Some sharks lay eggs, some sharks lay, like give birth to live other sharks, I'd guess crazy and that's just sharks they're just one subspecies of weird prehistoric fish i could go on and on and on um, my, the mind boggles when you look at the diversity in nature and humans we're no different god loves diversity otherwise there'd just be one type of shark i guess he loves it he's creative he's way more creative than you or i could ever imagine he's like ideas all the time he loves diversity, so we should too. We should celebrate the diversity in, the, in nature and in each other and in our different experiences. Humans are one race, but we are diverse in our expression of humanity. We're diverse, we're, we're very, uh, we're different to one another and this is to be celebrated not a source of separation. Our difference is to be celebrated. We see, didn't we? Yeah, this is the image of all the livestock. But God loves unity. Unity is not uniformity. Uniformity is when we all look and behave the same. Unity is one of spirit and of mind and of heart. Unity. God loves unity it's all about uh that's what this uh sorry the letter to ephesians has been a theme of unity and of being united in christ the problem that we have in the world today is that we are not united we have different goals different aims different visions for the future and if you are separated from god if you are outside of of uh, his sphere of influence if you're still as paul said in ephesians chapter 2 dead in your sins dead in 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 our in our ways and thinking thinking in a fleshly way then our our purpose and our goal and our aim can be very destructive but our faith is in the call of the gospel, the message of the gospel is that when we are united to Christ, 
when we come by faith to a relationship with him, he begins to change our mind. He begins to renew our mind. We have the spirit in us to help us to, to begin to change, begin to make us think in a different way. And so our ways become his ways. Our thoughts become his thoughts. Our heart of love, love for humanity, love for diversity, uh, or sorry, his heart for humanity and love for diversity becomes our heart for humanity and for diversity. But it doesn't mean that we all suddenly act and behave in the same way. It does mean that we begin to think and feel and have a heart of love and of kindness and of, uh, of, of wanting to see the, the lost sheep brought in. We saw that, didn't we, in a, at the beginning of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter one, verses nine to 10, the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. This is the goal of creation, to bring all things into unity under Christ. We haven't got there yet. It's a promise, but we have a foretaste. We have a beginning. It's called the church. We have the start of that. You see, the church, and I'm sort of moving on to my final point, but staying here in unity, the church is a place where a diverse and different expressions of humanity come together, united in love, express their commonality, express their humanity, and their unity and their diversity. The church is where under Christ we come united. That means that we have a burden to display unity within diversity to the world. When outsiders come and look in, they should see people groups that wouldn't, you might not normally see mixing together, eating together at the same table, standing with one another in hardship and difficulty meeting with one another socially people groups that you know usually are distant usually are a bit more insular situations where there's been tension and difficulty where there's legitimate past harm and grievances that need forgiveness and reconciliation when you come to the church you see that that process has begun or even complete as as um believers United in Christ, forgive one another, have dialogue with one another, hear each other's stories and pursue relationship, real, genuine relationship with one another. In Galatians 3.28, Paul says this, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And of course, Paul's not saying that those distinctions are gone away with that now there is literally no more male and female. That's not what he means. What he means is, yes, you, you're still a male or female. Yes, you're still a Jew or a Gentile. You might be a slave or free uh, in, in Paul's context in his day, but you now have an overarching, a more defining identity. It's in Christ. Now you're, you're a male in Christ, a female in Christ. And whatever differences, whatever barriers there were between you, they can now be broken down and reconciled because you are now one in Christ. There's equality in Jesus. We are equal together in Christ. 
So a diverse humanity united in God's love. This is my definition of the church based on what we've looked at today. A diverse humanity united in God's love. This is the, the, the picture we see in Revelation, Revelation 7, verses 9 to 10. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. This is the destiny this is the destiny of 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 the church this is our destiny we as a people and, and i've said the word church quite a lot now and i realize i've been talking about the global church i've been talking about believers people who have faith in christ and we don't you know it's so we as a people here in gothenburg are part of a bigger thing and our destiny is all people groups, all tribes, all nations represented, worshipping the Lamb, worshipping God before the throne. So what's the takeaway for us? Just to land it, and then we're actually going to have a little time to pray for ourselves as a church, to pray with one another for our impact here in the city. Let's be bold today. Let's be bold as a church Sharing the truth in love with friends and neighbours, co-workers, random strangers, sharing the truth that, that there's a God who loves them and has created humanity in his image. Let's share the truth. There's no barriers to God. He came and died for them and we can come to him in faith. Let's champion as well. Second takeaway, let's champion and fight for the common dignity and honour and respect of all humans everywhere, regardless of religion, belief, race, gender, sexual preferences. We champion and fight for the safety and the dignity of all humans. We may disagree with uh, what people think and feel, but we love them to death. That's how Jesus modelled it for us. He went to the cross for his enemies. We are to see and uphold the beauty and the dignity and the in God's imageness of all humanity. Be peacemakers in the world, reconcile and bring healing and restoration. We as the church can be bold in the face of racism, bigotry, sexism and intolerance of any kind. All humans bear God's image. As the church, we should be, and I believe we are, diverse in our expressions of humanity displaying and representing all cultures and nations i'm so grateful to be in a church where people sing and pray and worship and talk in different languages and come from different countries and continents all over the world what a privilege to worship and to to love god alongside you here in this city and in this nation Oi. And, uh, and to finish then, uh, we want to display unity in our diversity. Like I said, so as people look in, we are a display of, uh, of God's uh, unity and unifying love. Uh, I just think we, it would be good for us if we've got the time, I can't see Josh anymore, but if we've got the time uh, to maybe have a, a short moment of prayer in, in breakouts, it'd be great just to pray for, um, 
that we grow as a church being a church that welcomes all people from any background or situation and that we can represent and continue to represent the nations in our church that we express and celebrate God's given diversity and pray that we remain united in our love for Jesus and our love for this city. Uh, I think I need to stop sharing. Here we are. Okay, so I'm gonna put us in, in breakout rooms. I think we have about um, three, three to five minutes where we can just pray. Let's just go straight into a time of prayer uh, and, uh, and we'll pray for one another and for our church that we can be, uh, yeah, a welcoming and diverse celebration of God's diversity united in love.